The Adventures of Batman. Welcoming you to the new adventures of Batman. Welcome to episode 18 of Batman Animation, a BatmanOnFilm.com podcast. Revisiting the animated adventures of the Cape Crusader. I'm senior contributor Javi Trujillo, and joining me is the Socrates of Star Wars, the binger of comics, the chairman of the Spider-Man Council, Paul Herman. Paul, how are you, sir? And happy birthday, my friend. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, turning forty-one is weird, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's it's. But you, everyone made it special, it very, including yourself. Very nice, all the nice things you say. And Socrates of Star Wars. That's a uh, wow. That's that's uh, that's a, that's an honor to be honest here. And I definitely binge comics. So, but thank you, sir. Thank you for having me. It was an honor to be asked to be on this. And I'm yeah. I just I was not. I was not prepared in a sense, so I kind of forgot about what we we're going to talk about a little bit. Like in a sense, it's kind of oh yeah, and you know when we brought this idea up to me, and I remember thinking, wait, no, no one's picked this yet. What? Well, we'll get into that in a second. But, but yeah, I mean, I, this I is episode seventeen, and there's so many different Batman shows to pick from, and and right now, it, I mean, I guess you could call this like season one of the show. Not that we're breaking it up that way or anything, but. I mean, we've gotten Lauer and Haas did a show from like the early 70s or late 80s. No, early 80s, late 70s. Those kids are crazy. So like like we've we've been covering the gamut because we've got the animated series and Batman Beyond and the Batman and the Brave and the Bold and Beware the Batman and uh, Bill and Ryan Lauer did Justice League Unlimited the other day. Uh, we've done, I think they did like a Scooby-Doo one or Challenge of the Super Friends. So, I mean, there's a lot to choose from. But um, today... But, you know, but really, really quickly... Well, I, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was say, today, um, like, uh, Mike Ramey and I started off... The first one we did was Batman Beyond the pilot, the two-part pilot. Uh, okay. And now you and I are doing Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, which isn't the end of the show. It came towards the end of the show, um, like in between season two, season three, which only had three seasons. And that season three is weirdly spread out. But they were making this during the production of the main show. Um, But to me, I've always kind of seen it as an end capper to everything. With the exception of obviously the epilogue episode that Bill and Ryan talked about a few episodes back. You know, so this is what's interesting about Return of the Joker. And obviously you can't talk about Return of the Joker without talking about Batman Beyond in general, like as a broad sense, Yeah. you know? Um, so just kind of my, you know, I can give my little history. Do you want, do you want me to give my history of why I picked this and everything? Kind of like well, let's, Batman Beyond? Let me run into some facts really quick at the top yeah, yeah, of the please, show. Yeah. And then we'll, yeah, we'll get into it. why you picked it. Um, this was released December 12th, 2000, which, I mean, that was 21 years ago. Uh, it's, it's January 10th, 2023 now. So 
it's hard to believe it's been that long. Um, IMDb has the log line as the Joker is back with a vengeance and Gotham's newest dark Knight needs answers as he stands alone to face Gotham's most infamous clown prince of crime. And uh, Will Friedel is Terry McGinnis, Batman, Kevin, the one and only Kevin Conroy is Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. May you rest in peace. Mark Hamill, the Joker, Arnie Harmon, uh, is Barbara Gordon for this. Dean Stockwell is Tim Drake. Terry Garr is Mary McGinnis. Arlene Sorkin is once again Harley Quinn. Tara Strong is Batgirl, not Harley Quinn. Uh, Matthew Terry. Valencia is Robin. Uh, Melissa Joan Hart, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, is it says Dee Dee, but really she's the Dee Dee's. Uh, mm-hmm. Don Harvey's Chucko. My favorite Michael Rosenbaum is doing a Christopher Walken impression as Ghoul. Uh, Frank Welker, Fred, is Woof. Henry Rollins is Bonk. What? Then, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And you've got, you know, Lauren Tom as Dana and a couple other uh, mainstays. Of course, Andrea Romano does the voice of Laughing Boy, which is, well... But we'll get into that in a second. And Bruce Tim is a guard because he always does like a quick little cameo. But that's our main cast. It uh, was written by, well, it was the story was by Bruce Tim and Glenn Murakami. And the story and screenplay were by Paul Dini. So you know it's going to be great. And Paul it was Dini. directed by Kurt Geta. Um, so, so, Paul, um, you and I have podcasted together before on like the comic binge on uh the oh, yeah. spidey dude network on the spidey oh, yeah. dude experience show uh i first heard about you from batman on film i think it was a wow. video game episode you did with uh haas and i was oh, like i like boy. i like this guy he's he collects physical media and he's into 4k and uh and then you reached out to me once on twitter and you're like are you hobby from the crawl space i was like uh yeah <laughs> So we started like following each other and, uh, you know, formed a friendship where we've been talking now for a year or two online. And um, one of your Spider-Man council members on the binge and we've been doing yes, some Superman stuff recently, which yeah. has been amazing. Um, yes. So I wanted to talk Batman with you because we, we haven't really done that yet. No, 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 no. And, and uh, so I asked you what if you were available and what you wanted to do, and you you went swung for the fences and picked a big one. So yeah. what uh, what made you choose this one, and what's your your story with it? What's your connection? Well, it, with with Ben Beyond, it's been a weird time frame when I was out of comics in general and out of like what? superheroes. Yeah, yeah. So when so really quickly again, for those who don't know me. I talk a lot, so I'm going to try to keep this as as as, as, as you know small as possible. Basically, um, in, in what I was like a teenager in you know 2000, just got ready to high school. So pretty much from like 15 to so 21, 22, I would say like 20 years old, 20 years old, around that around that time frame. I was pretty much out of comics, only spending money on music, buying records, CDs instruments like i was i was i mean i was i was all in on music and i'm glad i was but because at that time comics and and everything was really on a downturn and so i was out of the loop on a lot of different things and i remember peripherally i just saw the bet and beyond thing like oh here we go we gotta go another 
gotta go, we gotta go. So we can't do, we can't sell Batman. We gotta be, be a cool, futuristic Batman now, like whatever. And I, I just can never really paint it mine. But I will say, it always, I was like, well, this, this is dumb, kind of whatever, like dumb, con, dumb, dumb, overplayed concept. Cause I'm like, oh, what is a Spider Man 2099 now? Jeez, you know, like kind of laughing about that to myself. But I always said, that was kind of cool though. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kind of, I, I kind of just forgot about it, right? So fast forward, you know, years later, I got back into comics and never looked back around 2000. You know, I started kind of dipping my toe back into around 20, 20 when I was 20, 21. And then um, about 2004, I was full blown buying comics every week, spending like, you know, 50 bucks almost every week. It felt like um, on this comics. And I got heavy, heavy, heavy back into it and I haven't looked back ever since. Um, in fact, it got even heavier and heavier over the years. So um, Ben Beyond, it was always this thing that I just kind of never really like went into and I never really heard a lot about, even like when I got back into comics and started going on, you know, social medias were early back then, like even message boards, kind of, you know, whatever. Like I never really heard a lot about it. Never heard bad things, never heard good things. But mm-hmm. I remember seeing like, I'd go to like the Blockbuster or Hollywood video, remember those kids? Um, and I would like see, you know, the, the new releases I remember seeing like Return of the Joker, being like, "Oh God, here we go! Can't give him his own villains. Got to bring back the Joker," you know. And I just kind of was like, "That's whatever." This kind of—I just probably thought it was a direct-to-TV, you know, or direct-to-video, like you know, whatever stupid thing. Pay no mind, right? And I remember I started reading about how people like liked that 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 movie. And I'm yeah. like, "Huh?" I'm like, "That's interesting." Like, just I kind of started seeing it around a little bit, right around I'd say 2000. I'd say around like basically when Netflix started letting like sending off um, the CDs still they weren't they weren't digital yet but they're just you could mail away and just get the regular CDs which I know you can still do now but that's all they did and I remember I think so I must have picked up the video or watched it for the first time in two thousand like before two thousand ten like around that era because I remember I watched okay. it like uh, around that time frame or give or take two years around that time before two thousand twelve but around two thousand ten maybe two thousand eight and. I remember we had in our Netflix queue and I, I was like, eh, I've heard some interesting things about this. And I started getting more into comics and more into Batman and stuff like that. You know, and I'm like, well, okay, I'll, I'll give this, I'll give this a shot. So I had never seen one episode of Batman Beyond. I loosely knew the concept. I'd seen like bits and pieces, but I've never sat down and learned who that, I didn't even know his name was Terry. Wow. I had no idea. Bat, so Batman, the return of the Joker was my first full, introduction to the character of, of Terry McGinnis as Batman. And I remember just like being like, okay, whatever. I don't think I had it for like a week and I was like, I need to watch or for a while, a couple of weeks and be like, I gotta watch this. You know, I gotta return it because I want other stuff I want to get. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay, I'll I'll pick it up, whatever. Or I'll I'll go find and watch it. So finally I said I watch it, you know, hearing some decent things. I'm like, okay, whatever. I wasn't expecting much, you know, I guess. I don't know. I just was whatever, right? Just okay, put it on. And I gotta tell you, I was blown away how good it was. <laughs> I was blown away. I, I got done, Javi, and I went, that was awesome. <laughs> and I was amazed of how well it balanced the animated series, which I loved as a kid, and the Ben and Beyond series. And it just it blew me away of how clever it was and how yeah. shocking it was. And I know we'll get into like, you know, a little more specifics here in a minute, but, but yeah. So when I first watched this, you know, I had no idea about anything of Benton Beyond. 
And then I, that's when I accepted that beyond full, full bore and was like, man, like this is actually a really cool concept. And I like the, I actually like the characters. Um, just to get this out of the way first, I actually have not seen the whole thing of Bet and Beyond. Because I got to tell you, so I got super excited about it, right? Yeah. Um, after watching through the Joker, and I obviously put it in my Netflix queue. Let's get me those DVDs. Let's start start binging the season. You know, and then I got like a couple weeks later, I got the season one disc, and I put it on. I watched those first couple episodes, and I was, I got to tell you, the pilot is awful. Oh I think no! Awful. Yeah, <laughs> I think pilot's awful. In I, I, more than one ways, I don't think it's the best written of them all. I, I, and, I and I went back and did it again recently. Like I bought that on Blu-ray. I, I think I've, I try to watch the pilot and get start from ground like, episode one all the way through. Yeah, and I can't. It's just like it's it's. How about this? I think the first. It's not the pilot. Maybe the the two parter. It's not. It's okay. It's afterwards. It kind of dips. And it just, it gets, it just, I can't, I can't get through it. It's weird. And part of it is the animation. It's not as good as Return of the Joker. Return of the Joker animation yeah. is pretty good. It's, it's pretty solid. Where you, when, when I watch the, when I watch the, the ones I have now or the, the, the season one DVD, which I'm going to, I listen, and I bought the Blu ray, like the whole complete series Blu ray. I bought that. I was like, I'm not letting this one pass because I, I think I already have Return of the Joker on Blu ray already. But I bought it, so I, I'm going to finish it. And maybe this will give me the inspiration to finally do it. But man, I was not—I just could not get into that series. But because I love Return of the Joker so much, I think the quality of the animation does hurt it a little bit, as far as like the the series. When I because going going back from watching a pretty good like looking like yeah. animated movie to like low a little bit lower budget like TV series, it's just it it is jarring a little bit in my opinion. I can but, I can see that. I mean, they definitely just, had had a bigger budget, and it had more of that um, clean, cleaner digital look that Justice League yeah. would have, versus the animated or Batman Beyond was still more done in the style of the Superman the animated series and the new Batman Adventures, where it was, it was kind of in between. You can see more of the of the sh- cell shaded kind of animation. Yeah than yeah. um more the cleaner looking digital stuff but exactly. i i had um when this came out in 2000 i it was working at the video store again or still i don't remember which um so we get screener copies in all the time and so we got this in before the movie got released and it was you know one of those god-awful clamshell packages um and my brother and my dad and i saw mask of the phantasm in theaters when it was that when it was at the low low you know dollar theater um so that always set a really high bar for batman animated movies because i mean mask of the phantasm is like still just perfect and holds up to this day and i was kind of let down by sub-zero because it wasn't really a batman movie even though batman's in it um, it was better than Batman and Robin, but it, it didn't quite hit me the way Phantasm did. And when we sat down to watch this movie, like we had all watched, you know, Batman Beyond as it came out. And uh, this felt more like that Mask of the Phantasm magic was back as we watched it on, you know, VHS. And it's got a weird history, too, because the version... Uh, that we watched was like a PG-13 version. 
and there there is a little bit of an edge to it for you know 2000 oh for sure but then, oh, it's but then edge, when they yeah. when they put it out they put it out as like a pg version so there's weird trims and edits and changes um like they couldn't show to get the pg rating when batman or i'm sorry bruce is practicing with the battering and it slices off two faces head like the dummy like they had to cut that um when the joker kills bonk uh he doesn't impale him with a spear gun it's laughing gas and he's still like giggling so there's there's weird little changes like that uh between the pg and pg-13 and it's also one of those movies too where they I think they animated it in like a four by three TV frame, but then to make it feel more like a movie, they cropped it to like a 16 by nine ratio. So like you get, there's two different versions and there's two different ways of looking at the movie. Um, But I was, I was blown away by it. And I loved the, the intro starts off really strong with um, this different looking gang of jokers than we've seen in the show prior uh pulling the heist for some tech and and batman beyond comes and and stops them and they have like this big fight over the city and the music it, it still has the batman beyond sound but it hits a little bit differently there's more of an orchestral push to it um, yeah and everything just feels bigger and i can see where you're coming from uh animation style wise because it does look so much more vibrant it's gorgeous cinematic great the there's panning shots and and i mean it's just it's epic if you've seen the movie you know uh we even get like a great fourth wall uh line breaker line at the end where he's like this isn't coming out of my allowance and uh it always (laughs) kind of reminded me of honor majesty's secret service the way the pre-titles of that ends which was funny because then when i listened to the commentary they actually mentioned that they were going for a beat like that and then it goes into some pretty lackluster credits i guess they came in at the last minute and it's just a black screen with names on it but the (laughs) the theme is good and then it kind of it picks it up into um the story proper um but with this new gang of of jokers you've got the dds who are kind of like your harley quinn stand-ins you've got wolf who is uh it comes from a, one of the earlier episodes where they introduced this concept called splicing where people were mixing their dna with animal dna to get you know abilities and to look different and look cool like having snake eyes or something so he kind of fills fulfills the hyena portion of that crew um and bonk is the muscle and chuckles is just this really creepy looking overweight clown guy but um henry rollins is is like the muscle basically which i always just thought it was so funny that like why is he doing why is the guy from rollins band like doing an animated voice but this isn't like the only one he's done like a ton of voice work um well, he's an actor he's he's, been, he's he's in heat actually Javi, yeah funny enough so like he's in a number of different films he's just kind of small parts here or there yeah, you but know, he's so. always, he he tends to do some interesting things. Like he does do, yeah. doing a song with William Shatner on uh, the 2004 <laughs> album Has Been. So oh god, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. Um, but you know they they have like this epic fight, and I love 
I love the gag and it, it comes into play in the end of the movie too. Like they're fighting up above the city and zooming around and Bonk gets his hands around Batman's neck and he's like muttering something. And he's like, what did you say? And he's like, flagpole. And then he gets hit by like a flagpole and like spins around. Like it, it looks really cartoony, but it's, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Um, and of course you got Michael Rosenbaum is ghoul. Uh, and I didn't, I didn't know who Rosenbaum was at that point because this is like a year before Smallville happened. Um, mm-hmm. and didn't know that he was doing like a Christopher Walken voice. So, <laughs> Uh, it's amazing, but uh, he brings a, a level of fun to it. What What did you think of the opening? So I think like that's the weird thing about this this whole thing, man, is that the opening is so strong, and I love the Joker's concept because they weren't just like because that's what I was afraid of when I was going to pick up the movie the first time. I'm like, oh, Return of the Joker, we can't get original villains. It immediately establishes that the Joker's legacy is different, and I loved. I honestly loved all the characters in the Joker game. Yeah. And again, you brought up the fact that this is a different Joker game that even that's even in the animated series. When I went back to the, it's not the Joker game later on, I was like, who are these, who are these clowns? No pun intended. Like, like, what, like what, what is this? Like, what is this? These aren't the same guys that I saw in the previous movie. Like it just, it was weird because it, those characters are so strong and interesting and they don't yeah. they aren't there in the TV in the, in the series at least as far as I've gone I'm not, it sounds like they're not at all no they're no um, they're not and I'll be honest like I think those characters are they could potentially be like cool characters you could bring in the comics now like not not, not you know not really Batman Beyond characters but like Bonk Ghoul like uh, the you know the D you know and and you know the hyena is a little different but um, but yeah like even. Um, the, the, the big guy with the, the mask. What is his name again? I always forget. Bonk. The, the, uh, no, Bonk's a bit the muscle. But like, which one's yeah. the, the guy? The Chucko. Guy? Chucko. Chucko. Yeah. Chucko. I mean, like, those are interesting concepts. Like, all the other ones, the rest of them are really interesting to me. I think they'd be kind of cool to show up and, and are interesting in, in a visual standpoint. Like, I, I'm not sure, like, their, their personalities are that interesting, but it's comic books. I mean, you want, you got to look interesting to keep people engaged. If, if they, you have the greatest character written on the page, but if they don't look cool in comics, then you ain't gonna care. Sorry. Right. Um, yeah. So, but they all have really striking images, and I, I'm like, man, he should bring these these, these characters into the freaking comics. These are good characters. Well, that's, um, that's just my opinion. That what made this movie one of the things that made this movie so special, not just the fact that we get to see some um, wrap up for Batman the animated series characters. Um, is the fact that when they started the show, they one you know they tried to make new characters for Terry to fight. It's not just yeah. Well, here's the Beyond version of the Penguin, and here's the Beyond version of Mister Freeze. Although they did lead in with Mister Freeze fairly early on, but in a way that makes sense for that character yeah. in particular. See, but it's not wait. you get like someone who's Scarecrow esque. But not necessarily the scarecrow. Um, yeah, you know. So they, but they purposely yeah. held off on the Joker because he's too big. And I like the idea that, you know, fifty years from now, like there is someone, there's a group of people in Gotham who are taking influence from him, right? Um, 
And they always left what happened to the Joker a mystery. So the build up to this movie was, okay, now you're going to get to know what happened with the Joker. Cause we know what happened to Barbara, that she's the commissioner, but we don't know what's happened to Dick or Tim. Obviously we get to know what happens with Mr. Freeze, but like this brought, you know, answers and it, it kind of elevated it from just being a standard episode. So, so I, it, if you were living through it in the moment, like it was a big deal. It wasn't them like, Oh, we're going to the well. It was right. like, okay, we're finally getting to that point of, you know, getting some answers. Cause they had established themselves. Yeah. And that was something that, you know, watching the movie for the first time and kind of not knowing anything about it, I, that's lost on me a little bit, but at the same time, the, the movie does a good job of building it up too, because I, I know at this point, as I'm watching the movie, that Terry's already been established and working with Bruce for a long time. Like, it's not like it's it's been like only a month. It's been at least a couple of years, if not, you know, maybe around yeah. a year or whatever. But but at least a couple of years. That's I'm assuming. And again, this is how good. This is why Paul Denny is like a, a legend with writing, whether it be comic strips, you know, or or movie scripts, TV scripts, whatever. Like the video game scripts. Knows, yeah. yeah, video game scripts. The guy that knows how to structure a story. And write dialogue and give you and, <clears throat> and give you something that you think is probably not going to work on the page like it's just it's too ridiculous and have it make sense and give it compelling drama and that's the thing that's that whether it be watching that animated series reading his comics you know i haven't, I haven't played a ton of video games so i you know i've played some more you know arkham stuff i know he wrote which is still good stuff um i say all that because it's really impressive that someone like me who's never watched a Batman you know, beyond episode can watch it. And I'm already compelled because the way he brings it all in. Cause they, when he says to Bruce, like how did how did the Joker die? I'm like, Oh, so like, you know, you never talk about him. I'm like, Oh crap. Like he never talked about him. Like, Oh man. Like and he, they build that up that Bruce doesn't want to talk about it. And he does it in a way where like it builds throughout the, ep- the whole I say, episode, the whole movie. And if that's how I do it, kind of loosely in the series genius because i they do a great job of establishing that he knows who the joker is but it's not really something that he knows much about because bruce refuses essentially to talk about it and they yeah. do a phenomenal job of establishing that in this series and i gotta give him, I, gotta, I give paul all the credit because it's all his stuff that he you know he laid out in his script like he's the writer he since wrote, you, you know, he, good i was gonna say since you brought up video games i want to mention really quick the video game adaptation for this. Wait, there's a there's a video game. Yeah, for the N sixty for the N sixty four. For the freaking movie, this movie for the movie, really. not good. And I and I I say I say this because and it might be my expectations, but this is for the N sixty four. You know, this is Super Mario yeah. where you can go in any direction in this world. This is GoldenEye 64, where it's like a first-person shooter. This is that console, right? right. Um, the Zelda game where you could go anywhere. This is this is a Batman Beyond game that is a side-scroller. Yeah. And it, it feels like a Super Nintendo game, but you're playing it on the N64. And that's, that's why I was so disappointed with it, because it's mm. it feels like a step back. Interesting. So, yeah, for those video game historians like Haas out there, 
Um, <laughs> there's there's a video game. It's, Hoss right now not, is like young. It's right not, now, Hoss, not really worth it. Hoss right now is the young, at the at the podcast. Like, no, that game's legendary. It's underrated. This game's underrated. Like, you, you just know, like Hoss like, has the insight on every game, and probably right. he's like, actually, <laughs> if you actually play it like this, you know, and, this, and then Chris Cloud comes in and goes. Well, actually, if you do, I'm just like, guys, you guys, you guys do it. How do you guys have time to do comics and video games? I mean, I know Hoss works in the business. It's a little different. But Cloud amazes me of how much he, he like, gets through with, like, comics and video games. I'm like, man, I can barely keep up with comics and, like, watching Star Wars. I can't imagine, like, doing video games on top of it. So, yeah. like, on the reg. Like, I mean, he does it on the reg. I, I pick up a video game, like, once a month. So, you know, um, depending on what it is. So, I, I yeah, I, that's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, those guys are all amazing. And before we continue, though, Paul, we're going to take a a quick break uh, for our sponsors. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today. 570-726-6200. And we're back. So, Paul, let's talk about the elephant in the room for a second. I mean, we've been talking about him, but let's get into Hamill uh, and his performance as the Joker. Uh, One of the things that I found interesting about this is it kind of echoes his first portrayal of the Joker in Batman, the animated series in as much as he first voiced um, a character in heart of ice, like a sleazy corporate businessman before he wound up voicing the Joker for the animated series. And in this Hamill has two roles, the Joker, obviously, but then he's got this, uh, number two uh, businessman guy at Wayne Powers who's trying to like take over you know Bruce Wayne's top spot as like the CEO and so the movie leans into this idea that maybe this guy um, is really the Joker that he's got some connection uh, to this return of the Joker and that's obviously in part because it's Hamill's voice Uh but this Joker, um, like this would be the third iteration we've seen of him, of Hamill's Joker at this point. And I say third counting, obviously, the original incarnation in Batman, the animated series, and then the redesigned look for the new Batman adventures. So this is like the third different visual representation we've had for the clown prince. And this one's got more of like a... Mm-hmm. A Hannibal Lecter malevolence to him, like his hair is slicked back. Uh, I actually thought it was really fresh uh, compared to the new Batman Adventures look. Like I like this one better. Like there's absolutely there's you can definitely see there's more of an evil look to him. His build is a little bit stockier, and you know there's kind of a reason for Mm -hmm. that as we get into it. Um, But there's there's just this edge. I mean, the Joker's always been crazy, at least Hamill's performance of it. But there's there's more of a sinister edge going on in this performance that, you know, he later dips into for like the Arkham games um, 
and maybe maybe the killing joke if you want to talk about that not really Um, but what did how did you feel about this version of the joker that's not the joker but it is the joker if that makes any sense so first of all no no first of all i want to i want to echo exactly what you said because i've only seen a little bit of that the new incarnation of the batman uh, batman animated series that's you know when i went to kids wb and i gotta tell you i do not like the joker's look in that show and part of it i, I honestly think is his, his eyes are just he needs regular eyeballs like yeah. he, i don't like the little i think that kind of loses the humanity like and i think a little bit of the scariness in the character mm-hmm. he looks really cartoony like he looks yes. like he is a cartoon character whereas yeah. in this in this incarnation and in the original, he's just he's got regular, you know, crazy eyes. And but, but I think that makes him scarier because he looks like he's a normal person just out of his goddamn mind. And I think that was a great way to go with this because I, I, well, I one I like that more obviously, but I think it just it lends itself to that crazy, um, just off the rails kind of thing, and it adds that element of like just kind of a throwback a little bit. Um, it just it just felt like more natural. It just it just, it just looks better too. It would be totally fair, totally frank here, you know. But um, no, I, I was really impressed because I love the red herring. Of uh, I forgot about that. It's been a while since I've seen this this movie. Um, but when I watched it, it was I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot Hamill played that guy. I'm like, oh yeah, because he's an he's he's a, obviously the uh, the red herring here. But with his performance, I thought it was really cool because they again the brilliance of Paul Denny's writing, it's all there. They they slowly kind of unravel the mystery as it goes perfectly, where you start to realize there's more to this Joker than we think. And what exactly happened? And they establish right away that this is not the same character. And but it's the same Joker. So I'm like, how are they gonna t-? you know, as I'm, I remember watching this for the first time, Javi being like, how are they gonna explain this? <clears throat> you know i'm like how because like like we all talked about like he's literally the same character he's a little bit he looks a little different but he's not like night and day different you know like it's just like yeah. it's like it's, like said, a little bit stockier maybe but at that point i'm like what and but everything was all there the deadliness the the craziness the the you know the kind of like fun that he kind of portrays and the character that I think that I think that's one of the things that lures people to this performance is that it's not just a sadistic, like I'm crazy. It's like, I'm off my rocker. I'm having fun, but I can switch back to the fun and the crazy almost seamlessly. And that's yeah. what that's to me is Hamill's, Hamill's performance is always underrated about is that he's able to portray totally evil and totally fun like, like, you know, like within the same like dialogue or the same like scene. And that's not easy to pull off as far as, and, and as far as portraying that to the audience and luring people in and out, because there's a sense of like, not as dangerous. Like he's like the, this is just like the mad hatter or something like that. Like it's not, that he's, he's a mastermind. Sure. But like, you know what I mean? Like he's not like really a threat necessarily. Yeah. I never get scared of when I went and watched the mad hatter or like something like that. Right. Like, or even the Riddler. It's like they don't really scare me. It's like he's got to outsmart him and you know whatever. Whereas a Joker, he's got that. He's so insane. There is a there's a sense of like he's not just going to hurt random people for no reason. You know the Riddler and Mad Hatter necessarily. 
Whereas Joker is like, he'll just do anything. Just, and I think that you, his portrayal in that Mark Hamill is so, so good. It just, it, it just, again, it's seamless in this performance where you're, it makes you think, I remember as a fan watching it for the first time being, how is this possible? Like if, cause you know, Bruce says he's dead. No, he's dead. Like he's, he's gone. Like there's no way he's going to come back. And I'm like, well, how in the hell is this going to happen? Like how, how they can explain all this? Cause he, cause they go out of their way to say like, this is the Joker. Like this is his voice and everything. Right. And so, um, but yeah, hearing Hamill again as a Joker, it was, I, I mean, I gotta tell you, it lured me in, man. It does help you lure you in because it is, it is a plot point that is interesting and you put on like a, a legendary performance with it or before you know legendary you know act you know, or association or whatever i think, I think it's, it's definitely one of his better performances as a joker too mm -hmm. in my opinion but um i just say in general it's a legendary performance in general um that overall. that, uh, that it, intro gives you every shade that you need right there because it starts off with the yeah. sinister where you just see those two red beady eyes and his voice is deeper um, and then he kills, he kills Bonk in the PG 13 version and then starts rallying his crew. And that's where he gets into that maniacal playful side where it, even the animation picks up and makes him more of a, a cartoon where he's like ready to give this yeah. to wedgie again. And he's got his arms like shaking yeah, and, yeah. and then, you know, mm -hmm. he's, he's asking who's with him. And then he's and everyone's like, "Oh, we're with you." And then, bonk. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, that's right, bonk's dead." Yeah. And so you get like all these different flavors of the Joker in like three minutes, and mm -hmm. it's it's incredible. Um, yeah, and the science of his return. I mean, it's it's one of those things where you just it's fifty years in the future. Um, you just kind of roll with it, you know. It's it's comics or it's a yeah, version of yeah. comics, so it, it never bothered me how they brought him back. Um, especially because the way that it happened, like his death, oh. uh, like just it hit yeah. so hard. Um, and let's let's yeah. transition into that that moment. Um, yeah, let's just do talking it, yeah. about like the Joker, like coming after the new Batman Adventures look. Like to me, the the Joker we see in the flashback is like my favorite animated version of the Joker, and that that aesthetic carried forward into his Justice League and Justice League Unlimited appearances. Like to me, that's like the perfect mm. Tim verse Joker. Like he just he's got the right balance of everything, um, mm. and and it's uh, Joker different from the comics because the comics you have Dick. And then Jason, then Tim. But in the animated universe, it's Dick and Tim. But Tim has a lot of similarities with Jason. Um, so he's got more of an edge to him. Uh, and and he gets kidnapped by the Joker because he and Harley want to have kids. And uh, this is a lot easier because they figure Batman's got some spares laying around. And so oh. this... It goes into them kidnapping him and brainwashing him over the course of just weeks as Batman and Batgirl just try in vain to find him. And when they finally do get to him at Arkham Asylum, it, it sets the stage for, you know, this Joker's last stand. Mm -hmm. And and so I mean, it earns the PG-13 rating to me here because oh, of yeah. the tone. Like this isn't... Mm -hmm. 
this isn't Saturday morning cartoons. Like this, this is like some no. serious, deep, messed up stuff. And that's where Andrea Romano comes in, credited as the laughing boy, because she does the giggle of Tim, who's now Ugh. brainwashed and branded as JJ. Uh it's like this is Joker Jr. It's it's horrific. Even I found it horrifying it, yeah, back it, then. Yeah. Well, I, you know, one of the things that I think people, at least, and again, this is not like everyone thinks this way, but I think a lot of people who agree, who aren't super hardcore horror fans, is that the the more it's almost like the more you don't tell, the more you don't show of what actually happened to Tim, the more frightening it is. Because yeah, 100%. there's that sense, there's that sense, yeah, and there's that sense of what happened to him, you know, off screen. And there's there is a very there is a uh, what's the word uh, a creepiness and a and a real um, ugliness to that that is so again was it's a for it's a show for y- younger people so you can't go crazy with it and I'm glad they don't because they don't need to because you could you could you well know that there's a lot of disturbing things that you probably have, have been done to him you could think about without having to show it and I think that was to me the biggest um, I mean obviously I think I think I mean again spoiler people if you haven't watched it already you know come on. You should always watch this. You, put, you should put a big spoiler alert in this as well. Uh, but, you know, the whole reveal of Tim being the new Joker blew my goddamn mind. Because I, because <laughs> Javi, like you, we're, we're, we're closer, we're close in age. And, yeah. you know, we, I, I know, I know you're a Tim Drake fan. We, we love Tim Drake. Yes. Robin. Um, and so I, you know, I mean, Grummet, baby, right? Tom Grummet. Oh, yeah. Tim, Tim, my Robin, yeah, I love, yeah, that's my, probably my favorite Robin ever is Tom Grummet's Robin. That Robin run cover. Oh, so good you know? yeah <clears throat> so good underrated underrated in, run like in all its 90s chromium glory <laughs> i still have it I still have, my, my copies hacked the crap it's like all peeling off the sides but whatever i'm like i'm like i'm gonna sell this crap um anyway um but tim drake is I, I when i got back into comic or i was growing up reading comics i remember death in the family which you so elegantly beautifully did, did with brian lauer on that book club which by the way i love that episode thank you um and yeah, and, and I grew up on that knowing Jason Todd died. And when Robin came back, it was a big deal. And I got I got back into the, like, the Night's Quest, Night's End, Nightfall era. And so I got really heavy into Tim Drake. I got into the Redbird. And I love all this. I grew up on Tim Drake Robin. I love, love Tim Drake. Yeah. And it's one of those things where when I watched this, it was really hard because I, I watched a little bit of the animated series of that second, that other, um, the Kids WB. I just call it the Kids WB version. Um, you know, and I remember I like the Robin costume, by the way. I like the all red. It was cool. Um, but I didn't I knew they kind of spliced Tim and Jason together a little bit, which I understand. Um, but it was it was really disturbing to see someone I love as a character named Tim Drake just basically get like, you know, mutilated in his mind by yeah. the, you know, the, the probably the most well-known supervillain of all time. And probably be never be taught by anyone in, in, in any kind of like comic book history um, and see that come out. And it, it makes sense. Like the fact that Joker's like, oh, like I'm like, man, it really took the story is, is both it. You could see it happening in the comics, to be honest. You could see Joker doing this. It was also hilarious looking at 
Harley Quinn in this. It's like, especially where she's now as a character, as like an anti-hero-ish kind of, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she's yeah. like full on like doing awful things. And like, it's like, man, it's so funny where Harley's coming as a character. But, I, but again, I liked, this is where the, the genius of uh, Paul Dini is, is that he brought in like this whole idea, the whole family idea. And like, oh, a couple of spares. It's like, it's just like that whole idea is like, damn, that is dark. And, and, and it, but it makes sense because how would Joker get to Batman? By taking and like not just killing them, but converting him to himself. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. How does one do that? And seeing that happen on screen was just ugh, brutal, man. It was just brutal. And I thought about that. I'm like, man, like Tim Drake, like, especially think about it now, like Javi, like, like Tim Drake is kind of, they could almost go that route, like in that way, potentially, because how many Robins we have now? It's, I'm not saying, yeah. I'm not saying we should do it, but you see what I'm saying? Like you almost could just like justify to the editors of DC and like, well, Tim Drake's is kind of hanging out. Like, you know, I mean, great. I know he's got a little more publicity lately and I think it's cool. Um, but I'm just saying like, it's not like he, he's been kind of like, they, they don't know what they, they, DC has not known, known what to do with Tim Drake for a while now since basically since Damien came in since Damien like yeah. yeah since Damien came in they don't know what to do with him and it sucks because he's a great Robin and I think there's got to be a I still think Red Robin it should give him the Red Robin like costume good to go um but well they did it before and then they yeah switched yeah, it up just, but just, yeah just give him the costume so anyway, I, yeah go ahead yeah uh, I was gonna. You're gonna get me off on a Tim Drake tangent about Chip Zdarsky, where he seems to be kind of leaning back into that, which has been really refreshing, even though it feels like a retread. But that's a whole other podcast show. That's a whole other podcast show to get into. I would. Yeah. I was wondering because, like we've said, Tim and Jason for this version are very linked, and we've seen you especially have seen lately because um, you've been reading the Dark Knight Returns universe stuff. Like oh, I almost yeah. wonder if it, I wonder if it's worse for Bruce um, this way because we've seen him lose, we've seen him lose Jason uh, be murdered by the right. Joker, and right. then but you know Jason's dead. It, it's not he's got a trophy you know set up in the Batcave, but there's not that physical constant reminder of like Tim still being alive and having to deal with this trauma that drove him away. And I mean, this seems to be like that wedge too between uh, Bruce and Barbara, where things weren't necessarily the same. And they definitely, at the start of like Batman Beyond, they don't seem like they quite have the relationship that they used to. And as far as like Beyond goes, like we don't really know what Dick's status is. Uh, it just seems like everyone's estranged, and this seems to be like the catalyst that that broke the Bat family apart. Mm-hmm. um yeah so in, yeah. in a way like it's it's worse that he kept him alive yeah no i i think that's the that's the interesting idea i think you bring up a brilliant um you know point is that how much power is it to kill someone and take them off the table compared to like destroying their whole life and having to deal with that the rest of their life it, go back to the whole when, when um joker paralyzed barbara and yeah. what came of that like think about what I mean, a, a whole different podcast, but that whole that whole thing triggered again, no pun intended or anything, but like it totally had set to motion so many different things afterwards that like I think made Barbara Gordon a, a phenomenal character to Oracle to back to Batgirl. I mean, so 
and and that, but in in this in just in the story concept, there's more drama. And I think more, like you said, the fact like it, it's gonna come out weird. I think people can rally around the death of someone, and you know, and like and honor their memory. And it's different when that same person has to keep living through yeah. the trauma, through the awful things, and then everyone has to kind of like has the fallout from that and where do they go? And I think that that's, that's the best point I think that you're making is that instead of having the martyr, you could say you have like, it's even worse because you can't really rally around the martyr. You, you can rally around someone this awful thing and avenge them and you know, whatever. But it's different when, when, that, when after you avenge them and you have the fallout from that, you have to deal with repercussions and acknowledge like, Oh my God, like this person has to deal with this and where do we go? And there's going to be disagreements of how you should handle it. And you have that, you see what I'm saying? Like it, it starts a whole yeah. different dynamic. And I think you bring a great point. The fact that like everyone's estranged and this is pretty much the catalyst of that. And that, that was the start of the crumbling of the foundation of the relationships because of, of what happened. So it is, again, and they do a great job of bringing that up or Paul Denny does a great job of, of showing us that and giving us a, a real good concept. And like again, you do it in a, in a and again, this is sound bad, but in a fun way because you have a you have you know in Batman you know Beyond cartoon you have a great you know scene with Batman and Batgirl teaming up to fight Harley Quinn and Joker. Like I I, I forgot that happened in this episode when I rewatched it yesterday, Javi. I was like, yeah, man, I forgot about this. This is a full on. Like, I, I knew they were in it. But I forgot there was a. It's a full on scene. Like it's a, it's a whole yeah. part of the movie. It's like a mini episode. Yeah, and I'm like, dang, this is awesome. I'm like, and I, as I'm watching, I'm like, this movie is so good. <laughs> it's so good. And so, yeah, I, I think you brought up the whole Joker and like how do you explain everything? Like you said, I, I went with it because it all makes sense. Especially when you're telling me about the whole splicing of everything, it all makes sense in the continuity of Batman Beyond. It, it all it all does the fact that what tim drake is and and everything and how like the joker manipulated him from from the inside the whole, or at least the the jj persona that he created it all made sense and that yeah. was a, you know he turned it into this like like a two-face if essentially right like it's that two-face concept except that it's a full-on transformation like like lack of a better term the hulk right where you're turning into that incarnation opposed to you are, you know, it's like, you know, two halves. It's like, and he, and he even, I love the, the part where he says, you know, it got to a point where I could just interchangeably take over whenever I wanted to, instead of like having it, you know, basically take over for a short period of time and then give it back to Tim. He came, would just take over. And I love that idea that this corrupted person that he, that Joker created would get out through the psyche of Tim and want to modify himself completely as a Joker. And he was able to, you know, Honestly, it's brilliant. It's it's yeah. super brilliant. I think it's brilliant. Honestly, in my opinion. Well, as we as we start to wind things down, I, I want to spend a little bit of time talking uh, talking about Terry McGinnis, aka Batman Beyond. Um, since you came at this from a totally different angle than I was expecting, too, um, I feel like Terry. I have an easier time accepting Terry as Batman because we're so far removed from the original batman time period and and the fact that he's got bruce in his head talking him through stuff um it gives him 
not an omnipotence, but it gives him a leg up, even though he hasn't trained. And he's got the suit that helps augment his physical attributes and the tech sure. to help him detect as well. Um, and But I feel like Terry's kind of like this. He's like a what if. He's like, what if Peter Parker was Batman? Because mm-hmm. not that Terry's, you know, saddled with bad luck or anything, but he's got to deal with that dynamic of his dual life and how it affects his his personal life. Um, we mm-hmm. see him like falling asleep on dates with Dana, um, in, you know, with his relationship with his mom and his brother. And and there's a, a humanity that we get with Terry an everyman-ness that we don't get with Bruce because Terry's mm. he's comes from like a working class family. He's got a single mom because his dad got killed. Though they were divorced, but his dad got killed, you know, at the beginning of Batman right. Beyond. Mm. So he's he's from a different perspective and level than Bruce Wayne, who's like the billionaire orphan. Um so it it's a more relatable dynamic, especially for the young kids they were trying to go for. But you know, I, I was able to accept him more as Batman because he's not Batman. He's Batman Beyond, right? But right. I think in, in this movie, by the end of it, um, there's a there's a catharsis present. And I feel like you can fully embrace him as Batman because what better challenge to prove your worthiness than going against the Joker? And I think right. by the by the climax, um we get to that, especially with Joker up until the end, calling him bat fake, which, which I love because that's not his Batman. So of course he would try right. and get under his skin and, and, you know, Bruce helps Terry realize that he needs to turn it around because right. Terry's strength over Bruce's is the fact that he does like to talk. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought that was a great dynamic and like power change to the, batman joker relationship where now batman's making fun of of the joker instead of the other way around um did that and so i have to wonder if that kind of affects how you view batman beyond the series because i saw this more as like a building moment to where he's fully into the role but now Mm. you, you kind of started off with him getting to that fully formed point and now you've been going back and watching the show where yeah. does it does it feel to you like he's fully Batman Beyond now as you watch the series, or is that another reason why it's just not quite clicking for you like the movie did? So that's a great question. Uh, I haven't watched enough of the series for me to, to really answer that. But I, here's what I will say: that again, the brilliance of Paul Dini that wrote this movie, you do see that this whole concept of the of, of Terry embracing a different Batman persona than Bruce. And I love the whole, the comparison of a Peter Parker was, what if Peter Parker was Spider-Man? I, I, I you know me, Javi, I love the debate and argue. I, I debate and argue a little bit on that, but I, but you, but regardless, you're, you make a good point because you're, there, there is the everyman quality that they're going for. And I think it's interesting because one of the things I think that, that I took out of this movie um, which I, again, I haven't watched all of the series. So I don't want to say it, it, it lacks this, but I'm assuming from what you're telling me, it sounds like it's there's it's pretty close. That the whole idea that where it's him building up himself as Batman, 
the difference between Terry and Bruce, it seems like I think Terry just ha- embraces his humanity more than Bruce. And that's evident throughout the entire thing, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting because he doesn't, because Batman doesn't communicate. Bruce doesn't communicate. Like Bruce, you know, the real Bruce, not the, the, the fake Bruce does. But Terry doesn't do that. Terry is not faking who he is. And, the, and to me, that's, that's, that's embracing the humanity of, of who you are, embracing who you are. And I think that Terry, and that's the difference between Terry and, and Bruce. And I think it's an interesting dynamic because it is, a, let's be real, the lack of humanity is, I think, what is, to me, is one of Batman's probably weak, weaknesses as he doesn't, he's, he's a little cold. And I think that's kind of the idea that Terry's a little different. And I think that because of this, he's able, like you said, turn it around on the Joker. He's able to look at himself and say, actually, no, like I, I know, like, because I've embraced who I am, I know how people work. Like, I'm not just from like, from a robot standpoint, like, you know, like psychological standpoint, like actually like know how people react to things. He used that on the Joker, which is that's something that the Tim Drake wasn't expecting. He was expecting the cold, methodical, you know, lack of humanity Batman. Well, he didn't get that. That's why I took that, took that all as. And I like that different, I like that different concept that Terry McGinnis is different in this sense. And, you know, I just, I like Terry McGinnis' character. I got really into that and beyond. I remember I bought, I went just before comics, the market got bigger as far as collecting and whatever, but I go to Half Price Books Hobby, you know, one of our first joints. And I'd go and I bought like a bunch of the Bet and Beyond comics that were like a dollar, 50 cents or whatever, um, you know, from like the mid, like early, early to, or mid 2000s or whatever it was. And I bought a bunch okay. of them. I, was really, I started buying a whole bunch of those or 2008, whatever it was. And I, I just, and I like the character. I just, the animation show, the animated show, I need to get more into. But I, I can tell you this. I bet if I sat down and actually really trudged through it a little bit, like got through some of those rough spots early on, I think I'd lo- end up really liking it because I like this movie so – I love this movie. I think it, this is – I was wrapping up here. I got, I got a jet. Um, but I'm going to say this right now. This might be one of the best non-comic book – now, this is very, it's very clear. Non-comic book Batman stories, yeah. in my opinion. I think this is definitely in the top ten. Which, yeah, I, I'm gonna say I would which, agree with you. That, and that's saying a lot for Batman Beyond. Like it's it's that's what's so crazy to me. If you would tell me that you know years ago, I'd be like, yeah, right. There's no way. But I put that up against a, a lot of stuff. I mean, easily this movie is easily better than 95 percent of the animated movies out there for DC. Period. Yeah, like no, it's up. still like, in the top five for sure. Like you can't nothing to like to me like this is tied with Red Hood like and I love yeah. the Red Hood like I love that those who know me know I love that story and like to me it's like it's like neck and neck like they're very close I love these stories so I think this is definitely a top ten all timer non comic book storyline for Batman it's phenomenal I, I could I could talk to you about this movie all day long like we I feel oh, like we sure. barely scratched the surface like we haven't talked yeah. about even the majesty of Kevin Conroy, but oh yeah, all, all good things do have to come to an end. And yes, before we go, Paul, uh, where can people find you? Well, you can find me on the, uh, the interwebs, a n- number of places. First of all, please go and follow. I say, I say subscribe, subscribe to the comic binge YouTube channel that you can find me and uh, uh, Batman on film alumnus, uh, Chris Clow on. Uh, and Javi yes. obviously is like pretty much he's, he's 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 your part of it. Like I don't, 
if you're a reg, like you are, you're part of it. Like you're, you're, you're the part of the, you're the, you're the part of the family. Um, Thank you. You know, it, it, you oh, absolutely, you, you guys, you and Nico, you guys are honest. Adam, you guys are all on it. You guys, you guys are, you guys are, you guys are part of the bit. Put that on wherever you want, if you feel it. Uh, regardless, um, go ahead and subscribe there, please. There's tons of content for Batman, tons of content for, for DC in general. Um, and just for getting into comics, if you're looking for a place to like kind of get into comics and kind of find a place where people can talk about stuff and break stuff down, don't spoil things. But we just talk about comics and our love of comics and try to give you place, you know, things to read and have something to kind of listen to while you're reading it. And it's and there's there's honestly we've been here for almost two years now, Hobby. It's crazy. And we've got tons of episodes to, to, to honestly binge and get into comics. So please go over there, check it out. Um, hit a bunch, hit like a bunch of videos, watch them all the way through. So, getting that algorithm, my goal is to get to a thousand subscribers um, in the next couple months. That's my goal. Um, just getting to a thousand just makes us get into the algorithm a lot better. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a big goal of mine. Go follow, please subscribe there and follow me on Twitter at Herman Twenty Two with two ends, aka P Thug, where I basically just talk about comic books and football and Star Wars nonstop. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Javi True, on Instagram at The Bond Is Not Enough, and on Batman on Film, obviously, where, uh, you know, I do a lot of these Batman animation episodes along with the rest of the Batman on Team BOF. Um, we are currently working on Batman 1989, chapter by chapter. Bill obviously has the social hour. We're going to be doing lots of stuff this year for the 25th anniversary of the website, which is amazing to think that it's been a quarter of a century. Uh, Bill has been talking about Batman and he's brought in so many different people and voices over the span of two and a half decades, including people like the aforementioned Chris Clow. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, it's just been the reverend. It's been yeah. so fun to be a part of that site and to get to meet and talk with people like you, Paul. Uh, wow. And uh, so, yeah, you can just head over to Batman on Film where you'll find all the links. You can find comic reviews, uh, links to our YouTube channel, which, you know, we've got all the episodes up on there. And uh, that should do it, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like I said, we Hard could have here. gone on for another hour. But, Easy. but uh it has been a real treat to have you on our first time talking Batman for something together, which has been really cool. That's that's crazy. This is the first time we officially have talked Batman together on a podcast. That's crazy to me. Yeah. What the heck? What the heck, dude? Well, um, I don't think it's going to be the last. Uh, sure. No, it definitely. Trust me. It will not be the last. I yeah. promise you. I promise you. So I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode. And uh, announcer Rachel will take us out. Thanks for listening to Batman Animation, a BatmanOnFilm.com podcast revisiting the animated TV and film adventures of the Caped Crusader. Follow Batman Animation on Twitter at BatmanAnimation. Follow BOF on Twitter at the Batman on Film. Follow Jet on Twitter at Batman on Film. For Jet and Team BOF, I'm announcer Rachel. Batman on Film, authoritative, definitive, the original, established in 1998.